Kinga. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Happiness Journey with Dr. Dan podcast, where every journey is worth living. My name is Dr. Dan, and I'm your host for today's episode. I'm a cognitive behavior psychotherapist specializing in anger management issues, both court-appointed and private, marriage counseling, dissociative disorders, narcissistic personality disorders, depression, anxiety, and so much more. If you need any assistance, reach out to us at 301-325-1550. Today, I'm very excited to have at our podcast a special guest and author, Nathaniel Novosel. Since I'm not really qualified enough to properly introduce him to all of our thousands of listeners, I will leave it up to him to take over and provide us some key information about who he is. Nathaniel, the floor is yours. Sure. So I'm Nathaniel Garrett Novosel. I'm the author of The Meaning of Life, A Guide to Finding Your Life's Purpose. Uh, I advised uh, world-class uh, executives for uh, about 18 years now, and I've been studying uh, psychology and philosophy and behavioral economics and religions and everything in between for over 30 years now. So, yeah. Wow. So what brought you into writing this book? Yeah, it's a long story, but the, the gist of it is that um, my father disappeared in the middle of the night when I was five. Um, now, I don't remember how I felt because I was five and I don't have memories back then, but I can tell you that we did find out he moved to California uh, and he wanted to see uh, myself and uh, my brother. And uh, so we went out there for three weeks and two days. And the thing I do remember is when I came back the first night back in Pittsburgh, where I'm from, uh, I felt a, an emptiness, a worthlessness. I felt like someone ripped my heart out of my chest and I was just bawling my eyes out, uh, crying to myself to sleep. And I was sitting there and I couldn't you know, do anything but cry and feel miserable. And I asked myself, well, you know, what's the point of all this with all this suffering? And I asked myself, uh, there's a robot part of my brain, I jokingly call it, it was just dispassionately going, that's an interesting question. What is the meaning of life? I wonder what the point is. I wonder if you could figure that out. So I spent the next 20 years uh, researching all of these different uh, you know, fields and understanding. And I even started when I was six, I started reading stats books on human behavior and things. Uh, and what happened was I was leaving uh, a company and going to another one and I was going to have like a little goodbye speech. And I was like, well, what would I say? Uh, what would I impart uh, wisdom wise on other people about everything I'd learned? And when I did that, I started saying, well, you know, success is really just about a couple of things. And I started rattling off these ideas, these concepts like desire and belief and growth. And I went, hey, you know, that's actually a pretty good list. Like that's a, actually the core concepts you need to understand to be successful in life. But more importantly, it's the core concepts you need to, uh, to understand to find meaning in life. And so that's when the book popped into my head and it all kind of came together. I spent seven years writing the darn thing uh, and I just published cool. it last year. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. So how did you gather up all information about the meaning of life? I mean, obviously the meaning of happiness Obviously, it's such a broad topic. For some, they may say that happiness is about being as rich as Jeff Bezos or others, mm -hmm. they would prefer health and longevity. So how do you go in between that? How do you decipher what is the meaning of happiness? Yeah, so I dissected it in the following way. I was just kind of uh, taking it all in and saying, okay, these people think this, the, the, this philosophy thinks that and understanding all of it. And I started breaking it down to like, well, what is, it, what is it that they're trying to define or prescribe? And so I started to figure out, first thing you gotta do is define your terms. What is the meaning of life? What do you mean by meaning? And it turns out there are generally four you know, major meanings, um, but there's usually like the goal of life 
uh, which that's subjective. So you can't answer that. Everyone is going to have their own goal. So, okay, that's out. Um, then there's like how to live your life best, like ethics. And that's really, you know, based on what the goal is, right? If you're, you know, you live one way, if you want to achieve one goal, you live a different way if you want to achieve a different goal. So that's also subjective. So I'm like, okay, so that's out. So what's left? Um, well, how life works is the one I, I, I've, I, I landed upon, which you could actually objectively scientifically prove. Um, the other one being the origin of life, which again, you know, a hot topic and, uh, and, and no one will know if you believe in a non-physical uh, realm. Uh, if science is a study of the physical reality, you'll never be able to scientifically prove it because it's by definition impossible. So I was like, okay, those three are out. That The one, the one that's left works. So I was like, okay, what can you do within that? And I found that there were three definitions of meaning you could actually prove. One is the definition of life, which if you look it up, you're welcome to go look at the dictionary. It's the capacity to grow. It literally says that in the definition as part of what life is. So growth is, is the meaning there. Second one is the purpose of life, like what the life intends to do. And we all know from Darwin that basically the things that don't die live on. <laughs> and so, but that's not, the, that's not a purpose, right? What do you intend to do? Well, everyone intends to grow, reproduce, uh, and so forth before they die. AKA they intend to grow. So growth is the point is the definition there. Then I went to the third one, what makes life significant? And all you have to do is look at achievement awards and say, okay, well, what do you award people for? Well, they, you do like lifetime achievement awards and achievement awards for like great, um, you know, music and, and art and all this other stuff. It's like, okay, well, what do they win the award for? Like they don't print out a DVD of the movie and then have it go up on stage and get the award. You give it to the person. Why do you give it to the person? You don't necessarily give them for the achievement because you talk about their journey and how they got there. That's what they care about. So it's all about the growth into the person who they became to write that song or make that movie. So significance is based on how much you've grown or how much growth you've enabled in the world. So those three are objectively accessible and that ended up being the, uh, the, the meaning of life in this context wow okay and for you you said that uh, you want to go see your father after he disappeared on when you were five mm -hmm. years old how long mm -hmm. after did you find him uh, he, I think, reached out via letter about six months after he disappeared and said where he was and what he was doing and th that he wanted to see see us. Yeah. Was he able to explain to you guys what was the purpose or was the reason he did what he did or you guys were too young to really, you know, uh, absorb that kind of information? Oh, he, he didn't explain himself and nor did he think he had to. He's kind of borderline what you might call a narcissist personality. Like he only really cares about himself and, and that's okay. I mean, I, I, everyone has their own life choice. I, I don't recommend you have a couple of kids if you're going <laughs> to have that, that attitude. Yeah. Uh, but um, you know, uh, he wanted to live his life the best way possible. And he thought that that was what he really wanted to do with his life. So he went and did it. Are you a father yourself? Uh, no, I'm not. <laughs> okay. okay. Um, do you feel that when after you went back to Pittsburgh after mm -hmm. seeing him and you said that you felt crushed you felt like something was someone ripped the uh, part of your heart off um were you in touch with him afterward you still kept a grudge for what he's done no I never held a grudge uh, for what he did because uh I mean he did what he did um I, uh, we went out every summer uh, for, in fact, it went from three weeks to two days to uh, six weeks to eight weeks to 10 weeks. Uh, so, um, but I, I, I stopped going out there in, uh, in high school, I was playing football and wanted to, you know, do the summertime activities with my, um, with my teammates uh, instead of missing it for California. But, um, but yeah, I, I never held a grudge, but I did kind of, we kind of what you call a strange or whatever, um, mm -hmm. because I just told him one day said, you know, 
I don't like you. You're not a good person. Like you're just a selfish person and, and that's your choice. But when you do it uh, at the harm of others or, or just to, to put down others and, and blame everyone else uh, for, for, you know, when, when they say, Hey, you, you hurt my feelings and you say, Oh, well, you know, sorry, you feel that way. You know, that whole, yeah. like, not sorry, not sorry. Um, you know, I just, I just don't want to associate with them. So, you know, that's, that's how it went. Was your brother affected as much as you did, as you were, uh, Nathaniel, or he was kind of like reluctant to what he'd done or not really paying much attention of his behavior? You know, that's a great question. Uh, I, 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 this is embarrassing. I never thought about it. Um, you know, because, uh, uh, I mean, he was affected by it a little bit, uh, obviously, um, but I don't see him like I've talked to him a million times uh, about just stuff in the in the vicinity I never heard him like I mean he agrees with me on the points about you know his 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 behavior and attitude mm -hmm. um but um I mean if anything he holds less of a grudge than I than I do so usually yeah. like event like that post-traumatic event usually bring siblings together closer mm -hmm. because they have something they have a common denominator of who abandoned them so they feel they they feel that they have to get closer and more connected. So I was just wondering if that was his same mentality or his same approach for what he's gone through as much as you did. Um, yeah, I mean, we're siblings, uh, best friends, and it's, uh, you know, uh, we definitely had, we're also only 18 months apart. So that's, you know, one of those things where you can and have you that older close relationship. Older, the uh, older, yeah, I, 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 I'm the younger one. Are you the younger so, one? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's really, uh, you know, it's really good. Um, but, uh, unfortunately, um, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I guess, um, uh, uh, he had his own issues, uh, over, um, uh, over the years with, um, uh, his identity. So, um, I, I guess there's just a different, uh, different set of issues than, than I had. Yeah. I see. I see. Now what brought you into your career choice? Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting thing. Uh, two two pieces of background. Um, one piece is that um, I finally got diagnosed a couple of years ago, but I have like very mild uh, autism spectrum disorder. Okay. Um, enough where no one can I can hide it and no one can tell. Um, not not enough where anyone feels bad for me. <laughs> so, uh, they just they just think I'm a jerk. I guess I don't know. Um, but uh, I would never guess that you were uh, autistic, and I deal with autistic yeah. uh, disorders. Well, I didn't even know either. Like I, I would do some weird things, but no one would notice. Like, you, you know, there are traits of autism, like a little bit of OCD. So like, you know, like a little bit of that, a little bit like I just repeat sounds I'd hear just randomly. And people are like, what's going on? <laughs> like, that's weird. But it's like, I, I didn't even understand. I, I wondered why I was doing it. Um, and there are some weird things uh, like that. The eye contact thing is the hardest, uh, hardest thing for me. I have tricks and things, but uh, man, it's hard to hold. Uh, I, I can't, my brain can't function uh, and maintain eye contact for a long period of time. Um, so yeah, so there's a lot of stuff like that, that, uh, that led me to study human behavior because I was trying to understand it to, to actually do it well, because everyone else gets it naturally me. I'm like, I don't understand why people are yelling at me. I don't understand what's going on. Like, like, why are people bored when I talk? Like, <laughs> and it's like, oh, you have to show emotion. Like you have to like actually be animated when you, so I, you know, all this like inflection, my voice, this is trained over decades, like wow. training to, to, to do this. Um, but the other piece that you mentioned the career, um, I, I gotta tell you, it's, it was an accident but uh, a happy accident. So I graduated a semester early from college. Mm -hmm. um, so I, I was supposed to graduate in spring 2004, because I like to be productive, I actually had enough credits to graduate. I, I was three credits off or one class off 
the semester before I was supposed to graduate. So I could actually graduate in three years if I would have taken one extra class somewhere. Um, but, uh, and I didn't know that until I actually was registering for the fall. So it turned out I just took all these psychology classes because I was in finance because I was, you had to be smart to be in finance. I'm like, well, I'm smart. Um, but I took psychology, loved it. Um, so I'm really glad I got that last semester, but I graduated in three and a half years and I had no job because I didn't expect to graduate for another six months. Um, so I put my, my stuff on the, on the internet, uh, my, my resume and so forth. And, uh, just through sheer luck, someone named Brooke, I still don't know who that is, but thank you, Brooke. I referred me. I think to get make the $500 referral bonus. I don't care. Um, she referred me to a company called the Corporate Executive Board, which is a research, well, was a research advisory firm uh, for Fortune 500 companies to basically interview companies' leaders, find out what uh, the best practices are, and then be able to articulate them through case studies to the people who need help uh, with those said practices. Okay. And um, I spent years there wondering, well, okay, I'm just going to be there for a couple of years. Then I'm going to go get an MBA or something and then go find out what I really want to do. Okay. And it, it was years and years. I kept getting promoted and I was like, okay, well, I just keep getting promoted, whatever. So uh, there was several years in, I was like, okay, I got to figure out what I really want to do. I can't just keep stalling every time. And I asked myself, well, what do I like to do? And I was like, well, hold on. What do I do in my job? I was like, I learn and I teach research and advisory. And I was like, I like doing that. I like knowing things. I like learning things. I, I do that in my spare time. I learn more things like maybe I'm doing what I like to do. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just a matter of sheer luck uh, that I happened to go into a field that happens to be my strength. And I happened to get through my career to the, the best role uh, for me within that organization, which was to be um, a researcher and advisor. Um, and now, I, I mean, now I'm writing my own books, doing the research and then trying to provide advisory in a topic that I'm really passionate about because I, I, ad, I, I advise uh, heads of uh, data analytics and IT and all these other, other senior roles. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, well, do I love that field? It's like, well, I like the field, but I love talking about philosophy. I learned it. I studied in my spare time. Why don't I try to do some, some stuff there? Um, do you find after that many years of working with your uh, autism, do you feel still a struggle when you speak in front of people or have you already tamed that kind of uh, you know, issue? Oh yeah, no, I I, uh, uh, I have a hard hard time breathing for the first three minutes every time I speak. Even though I I've spe I've spoken hundreds and hundreds of times in front of audiences, and every time I still go up there and I can't breathe for the first thirty seconds. So I'm just like talking like this, blah, 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 not breathing, and then I go, "Okay, Nate, <sighs> <laughs> breathe." Exhale. Okay, now we're good. <laughs> but it's a, it's a, every single time. Plus, there's always an eye contact uh, issue. I have to like consciously remember to do it. Otherwise, I'll be talking at the ground the whole time because I'm trying to remember what I'm supposed to say. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I find really good. I'm good on. I, so there's some tricks. So like you can go on stage. And when you're on stage and you're higher than everybody else, that you're looking down is just natural. Everyone just thinks you're looking at the audience and you're really just looking down. <laughs> so there are some tricks like that that you could use to, to get through it. But as you can tell from, from my, uh, my animated voice, that that's the other thing that's really important. Because when I was younger, I didn't really speak at all. When I did speak, it was kind of monotone. And uh, I realized no one cared when I talked. So uh, I, I, and I also have anxiety, which I translate into uh, enthusiasm. So I, I use those two tricks to actually, okay, inflect my voice, tell stories 
stories and that's through research advisory training that I learned how to tell stories uh, in that manner. So I've actually become pretty darn good. Um, and even though I have, you know, uh, my own issues, like it hard for me to make friends, uh, <laughs> hard for me to, 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 to not offend people when I say things, because I say things that I don't realize that people are, so, you know, the socially awkward things and stuff like that. Oh, I run into that all the time. Uh, and then sometimes I, I just like, I don't understand why they're even mad. <laughs> like, you know, I, I talk about my worst life trauma as if I'm talking about what I had for breakfast yesterday. And apparently like, that's weird to people. <laughs> And then they get really uncomfortable. First of all, they just don't know. Say, why is he so open? Why is he telling me all yeah. this kind of thing? Yeah, you know, yeah, because I'm super about- honest, and it's like, and they're like, like you know, to TMI, right? I get told yeah, TMI a lot. <laughs> but, but when you're when, when you're when you're autistic, you just don't understand it. You're just like, I don't know, why are you why are you upset? It's just uh, you know, whatever it is, you know. So when were you clinically diagnosed for uh, uh, couple- being autistic? A couple years ago, um, basically what happened was uh, the, I, I, I actually, funny story, I actually got a really bad review of, at a, a presentation I did, um, which is weird because I'm otherwise, uh, you know, they said I'm really good. So, but I've read the review and it was basically a diagnosis. So they said, you know, oh. didn't, didn't have, uh, didn't maintain eye contact, didn't have what they called executive presence, which you, you might, you know, figure is being a, a, a confident, you know, yes. exuding, uh, you know, charisma type of person, which is just not, you know, autistic people are known for, for doing that. Uh, they're in, in internal, they like not external. Yes. Um, and so, uh, and it was just a whole list of things that I didn't do. And I'm like, well, I don't think I'm ever going to be able to do this. So I went to a psychologist and I said, Hey, you know, I've always thought I had some mild, just some mild autistic autism spectrum disorder. Cause I looked at the list and I basically can qualify for all, uh, for like all of them, except for, I, I now understand sarcasm. I think I learned it because I used to be dumb and assume everyone, what everyone said was true, no matter what they said. But now I understand it. So maybe I must have learned it or something. Um, and I also have really good uh, reflexes for the most part, which I know uh, autistics can be kind of clumsy. I, I'm, I am clumsy and socially awkward, but uh, I have really insane reflexes. So I don't, I don't understand that one. But other than that, she was going through a list. She's like, oh, did you hate crowds when you were a kid? I was like, yeah, I cry and I put my hands on my ears wow. and I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be there. And they're like, oh, did you have weird things when you were a kid? Do you have like OCD things? And I'm like, yeah when my mother would feed me spaghetti every time i take a bite i'd start crying until she wiped my mouth and then i would stop and then she'd take another bite and i'd cry and then she did that uh, and then she's like did you have par- any issues with like decision making or things that normal humans would be fine with and i said yeah um i couldn't put my clothes on because i couldn't decide what order to put them on in so my mother created a system for me because you know brains think like more like algorithms essentially right. and so she created an algorithm for me I, mean, I wouldn't call it back then but she's like oh so if i put she put out my clothes in a certain way and then, so I knew how to put on my clothes in the right order. So I didn't have to just sit there paralyzed trying to figure out how to do it. And I still follow that system to this day uh, because it's just like, okay, so I got to, so, so I got to put on the, un- okay, underwear first. And it's like, put okay, so I need to match the pants and the shirt. Okay. So I, which one, okay, I'm going to pick this. And then I'm going to, I have a certain selection of shirts that match these pants. And so I'm going to do that. Then the wow, belt and the shoes kind of go with that. So like I sit there and that's how I have to do things, but I've managed to do it so systematically that I can seem, uh, seem natural uh, doing it until I actually explain it like I am now, which people think I'm nuts, but that's it is what it is. <laughs> Almost you do like Albert Einstein. He always had the same clothes, the same, he had <laughs> of the same shirt, the same pants, the same jacket. I mean, no need to really, he said, I didn't want to waste too much of my time in the morning to start selecting my clothing. Yeah. And he was right. He said, today, hmm, what should I wear? Always the same. 
I, I, I do stick with uh, black shoes, brown shoes, uh, navy blue kind of thing for like suits and stuff. So I try to stick with the standard stuff. I try to pick things that kind of go with like a few select set of like the the shoes and stuff. Um, but I do, I do, I have learned to like uh, maybe a few different uh, styles or colors of, of clothing. I used to wear black and gray uh, almost exclusively uh, for a few years, not because I was goth or anything, but just because it was like, ah, it's, it, it matches everything. I don't have to think about it, but uh, I like the, you know, I got my yellows and stuff here. So it is not too much contrast either. Um, so what would you tell to people who are listening about um, how to overcome their biggest challenge? So for you, you overcame the, the whole autistic thing. But if someone is dealing with anxiety, depression, um, sadness, seasonal affective disorder, whatever else they have, what would you encourage them to do when it comes to overcoming those challenges? Yeah, so, I mean, there are quite a few things that you can do. Let's just kind of bullet off the list. Um, number one, uh, you got to keep yourself healthy. That's the number one thing. Um, I had an issue in the past year uh, because of uh, COVID lockdowns. I actually got a severe vitamin D deficiency because I didn't leave the house yes. and my whole body started breaking down. I couldn't leave my bed without feeling excruciating pain 24 seven. And I was trying to figure out what was wrong. So I started taking vitamins and things whenever I found out, oh, I have like almost zero vitamin D and oh. everything started to clear up. So like, you got to stay healthy. That's sunlight. You, you got to be outside once in a while. I mean, we live in a world that's sedentary and inside. You got to go outside, fresh air, water, uh, exercise or, you know, walking anything to get your heart going. Um, you, you got enough sleep, uh, make sure you take care of that because if you don't have those taken care of, then whatever you have is, 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 is just definitely not gonna, you're not doing yourself any favors, especially with things like depression and things. A lot of times just the, the, the combination of sun and exercise and, and sleep can actually make a lot of that alleviate a lot of those uh, symptoms that they have. So that's number one. Uh, number two is oftentimes people like feel a lot of pressure, um, to, to live by how other people want them to. Uh, I actually, uh, being a kid, I, I jokingly said I had perfect child syndrome because when my father left, my mother raised me as a single mother and she looked stressed all the time. She hated her job. So I was like, uh, okay, uh, don't do anything wrong. You don't want to make this person any more upset because you really care about her. And, you know, she kind of got dealt about a bad hand. So I tried to do everything right. I followed every rule. Everyone said, you know, don't do drugs and do drugs. Like don't climb ladders. Okay. I'm not going to climb a ladder. Like whatever, <laughs> like I follow all these, like, like don't do any of this stuff. So like, okay, I'm not going to do any of it. Um, but, um, you also got to be careful with that kind of thing. Cause while you follow the rules, someone might apply rules that actually shouldn't apply to you. Right. Like, Oh, don't go into that. That's stupid. It's like, well, no, 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 maybe I like doing that. You know, it's like, so you got to be very careful not to live by someone else's definition of success because you will be miserable and wonder why. So figure out what you want in your life and just try to make slow progress. You don't have to change your life or quit your job or move, you know, 5,000 miles or anything like that. Um, although you can, but you're probably just as good off uh, just kind of slowly making some changes and seeing if uh, do you feel better or worse. Kind of like an, I always joke, like it's like, like an eye exam, like make a change better or worse, better or worse, better or worse. And you may want to make sure it's better, better, better. So I would recommend uh, that you just make sure you've got your right definitions of success and success is going to be forms of growth that matter to you. So it could be physical growth. Maybe you like to go to the gym could be a, a spiritual growth. Maybe you want to be more in touch with God or the universe or whatever your beliefs are. Could be social growth. You want to spend more time with friends. Could be familial growth. Maybe you want to have kids and settle down and, and, and raise, raise great kids. Those are all different forms of growth. And your success will be exactly a combination uh, of those things. 
And then finally, uh, the last thing is um, that we live in a weird world uh, that is not necessarily um, how humans uh, <laughs> were evolved to live. Um, most uh, news media, social media, and technology and all these other things, they've hacked uh, the brain. So they know what gets you addicted. They know what hits those dopamine hits. They know what keeps you watching. They know what keeps you clicking. They know what scares you into behaviors that they want you to exude. So you have to you have to disengage from that stuff. It's probably one of the big causes of what's going on for you. You gotta like get get off the news and social media and stuff. Uh, you know, just take time to rest. Uh, you know, meditate. Whatever it is, go for a walk. Whatever it is you do that doesn't involve all that stuff that's that's messing with the chemicals in your brain without you necessarily realizing it. Just get uh, unplug, get out of all that stuff, and then see if 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 maybe that's causing your depression. Like seeing all these people with you know those fake photos of them looking beautiful and having magical lives on Facebook. If that kind of stuff is causing your problem, uh, it's because that stuff's not real. Uh, but they know how to make it uh, uh, make you feel a feeling that keeps you uh, in the state that you're in. Especially I see like a lot of people that take pictures in their private jets, but people don't realize that they rent this jet and it's not flying. It's sitting on the ground. You just rent for an hour and you say that, oh, you're headed for a, a, an event on your private jet. This is BS, but a lot of people have the tendency to believe that crap. And because they believe that, oh, how come him, he succeeded and I'm still stuck in a miserable job that I could not see any growth in it. But they have to, have, they have to realize that the growth is internal. It starts internally. And then when you feel happy with yourself, then you could go and show it to the world. Like for you, you knew that you had passion about what you're doing and then you made it a career because you knew that once you're passionate about something, it no longer becomes a job. Yeah. It's a hobby that makes you money. Yeah. I wrote that book for seven years and I liked most of it. I, there were some times where it's like, oh man, I don't want to look at this again. Or, oh man, uh, the ethics chapter was killer because, you know, priming, right? In psychology where it's like, so I'm writing this thing on ethics and everything I see is now an ethical dilemma. And I'm just like, oh God, I want to get out of this chapter, please just, just stop. Um, but yeah, so, uh, but yeah, it was fun. I did it on my spare time and I didn't, I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, I, if anything, I've, uh, I, cause you know, it costs a lot of money to get the book published and all oh, this absolutely. stuff. I mean, and, and I, I uh, you know, I did a lot of that stuff. And I mean, I didn't do it for uh, for the money. I mean, I, I did it because it's like, well, if someone else would benefit from understanding how things work and to be able to positively influence their own lives. And that's that's great. Um, but yeah, I did it. I, I you said they said it's, uh, you know, if you found what you love, what you do, if you would do it for nothing. I literally done this for nothing. So hopefully people find value from it. Uh, and maybe that changes in the future where it becomes a profitable thing. Uh, but yeah, you, it, it is a passion uh, that you can identify in your life or passions um, that will really work for you. And you'll live the life that those people that you mentioned on social media pretending to be, you'll mm -hmm. live uh, that life. But yeah, just don't define like successes in a private jet. I mean, like who cares? Like it's who cares? Material. Yeah, it's more material for people because they feel that this is what the meaning of success is. But then yeah. money doesn't bring happiness. I mean, yeah. it does help pay the bills, etc. if you have the money. But then you will feel that there's still something missing and people cannot really define what happiness is. And this is one of the biggest uh, struggle for many, not yeah. knowing what definition is for them. And they always look at what definition is for the other people. Yeah. And people really always still stick, get stuck with how other people perceive you. You see, they, they're, they're afraid to being judged. They're afraid of this or that. Oh, maybe I'm going to, to disappoint that person. Who gives a damn? Make yeah. yourself happy first. And who cares about the rest? Yeah. 
Yeah. And a lot of that stuff isn't really all it's cracked up to be, right? So like, um, you know, it's not like once you something happens to you magically, your entire life becomes like with no problems, right? So like I, I I'm going through that now, right? I, I my my the media life book uh, won eleven over eleven uh, awards and superlatives, and magically, you know, I'm not like showing up on Oprah or anything, and like everyone's saying, <laughs> oh, you're the most amazing person ever. Like that didn't happen. It's just like okay, so I got this thing, and that's it. And then now I. <laughs> Like there's nothing. Or um, I also we just launched a book um, on uh, Friday. Uh, actually, um, it was um, it's called The X Factor: The Spiritual uh, Secrets of Successful uh, uh, Entrepreneur. Sorry, executives and entrepreneurs. And uh, we you know did this giant launch campaign. All the money goes uh, to Penn State Dance Marathon, so all all proceeds go to charity. Uh, you know, sold tons of copies, and now I can say I'm a best-selling author now. I was like, great. Uh, I was like number one in all these you know subcategories. I think we were in the top thousand just in the first day of books on on amazon and that's wonderful but again it's just like okay great yeah <laughs> and that's it like well, like it's not like that kind of thing <laughs> yeah it's not like magically like oh i fe- okay now i'm like you know my every day my life is magical and perfect and literally there's nothing else like no literally my my, my life was exactly the same as it yes. was five minutes before that happened um so yeah you know okay maybe make more money doing this out of other thing maybe this happens maybe that happens maybe your life's a little bit easier but you got to find love in what you do every day and the love and the experiences that you have every day uh, while you're searching for, you know, more experiences, more growth to have, um, or else uh, you are just going to be chasing, you know, the, what the Buddhists say, you know, just kind of chasing happiness forever and never finding it. Yeah. Beautiful. Wow. Well, that's all the time we have for today's podcast. I do appreciate the time you took out of your very busy schedule, especially uh, being a number one bestseller. <laughs> um, thank you for participating and inspiring our many listeners. That we hope you have all enjoyed today's episode. I'm very excited about the many upcoming guests we have scheduled for the Happiness Journey podcast filled with inspirational stories just like the one you listened today. And here are a few concluding words of wisdom. Quick lessons in quantum physics 101. The present is defined by a confluence of your thoughts, guided and restricted by your belief. The future becomes the present when your belief changes. Time measures how much effort you require to change your thoughts. And finally, space shows exactly what you're now thinking about. And therein, you see that the one universal, immovable, unifying equation that sums up all the things physical and metaphysical is thought become things, just like the laws of attraction. And that is all you really need to know. My name is Dr. Dan Anzalag, and you may all keep pursuing your amazing journey in life. Thank you all.